Well, I want to welcome all of those of you in the cafe and in the watching online as well as here in Melbourne. We are going to start the new book of Jonah, so turn in your Bibles to Jonah chapter 1. We begin a three-week series called A Big Fish and a Second Chance. And we're going to be looking at today uh, life of Jonah in chapter 1. The message for today is go or no. We're going to see Jonah running from God. Have you ever run from God? You ever said no to God? God's asked you to do something? He said, no, I don't want to do that. You know, why is that? I think we all have something in us, don't we? I, I'm, I'm guilty of this too. You know what God wants you to do and you kind of wrestle with it. Somehow I think that all of us want to be in charge, right? We want, no, nobody's going to tell me what to do. And that can even include God. And somehow we also think that our way is always best, right? Like, God, you might, your plan is kind of like a plan B. I think I know what's best in this situation. Now, we would never say that out loud, but when we say no to God and his plan, it's really what we're saying inside. It's like, I think I know what's best. We're going to see that in Jonah's life. So you're there in Jonah 1. Let's start in verse 1. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Now, some of you are thinking, oh, you normally read out of the NIV. Yeah, I'm reading out of the New King James today. So uh, if that's throwing some of you off, you can go onto our app or to our website for the notes. But I don't know how he did it. I cut and pasted all my things. I study out of multiple versions, and today I just uh, had somehow cut out of the NIV. But the important thing here is that it's all God's word, means the same. The word of the Lord here came to Jonah this prophet. And he said, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it. He was to preach out against it. Why? Because their wickedness had come up before the Lord. The people of Nineveh were very wicked. They would do terrible things to people that they would conquer. Nineveh was a large city. It had up to 100-foot walls, and it was like a double wall. So if you happened to go over one wall, you had another space, and they could actually attack you very easily because there's another wall there. And it was almost unpenetrable, where you couldn't penetrate it. And so, but there was a very wicked city. And this is verse 3, but Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. And so he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, I believe we have a map to show where we're at. So if you look all the way to the far right, you see Nineveh. It was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, one of the largest, most uh, well-known cities of its day. Uh, they did, they found archaeological digs. Today, it's in modern-day Mosul of Iraq. That's where Nineveh was. And Jonah was ministering in Israel, particularly in the area of Samaria. And he was there in Israel. And you see the red line? He went down to Joppa, which is a, a port of Tel Aviv today. It's called actually Jaffa today. And he was wanting to take that ship, get as far away from Nineveh as he could. So you can see Tarshish was over there in Spain, somewhere near the Rock of Gibraltar. Now, what do we know about Jonah? We know just a little bit from what we see in this book. He's one of the minor prophets, one of 12 listed. Minor because he was, uh, uh, it's a smaller book. It's the only 
book of the prophets, it's really a story about the prophet. All the other ones are the prophetic writings that that prophet gave, words from the Lord. But we also know from 2 Kings chapter 14 that that, uh, Jonah prophesied to Israel that they would regain their borders. It was a very positive message because the Assyrians were coming in, they were capturing cities, and he prophesied that Israel would regain its borders. The king at that time was Jeroboam II. So he had no problem prophesying good stuff to the people of Israel, but he didn't want to bring this judgment message to Nineveh, which which I believe is a, a point for all of us. And I want you to put yourself in the story here today of Jonah, and that is we need to believe and share all of God's word, not just what's agreeable. One of the things we do here at Calvary Chapel is we teach through the Bible, verse by verse, book by book. Why do we do that? So us pastors can't cherry pick and only pick the verses that are really agreeable. They're, 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 they're going to make everybody happy and feel good and so forth. When we teach all of God's word, there are some verses that are really hard. There's words of judgment in here. There's words that are talking about sin. And this happens to be one of those stories where they're going to get into some of that. And it's like sometimes it'd be easy just to tell the the nice, fun, easy stories. But we teach all of God's word. And this is what's so important. Jonah could teach and he could uh, prophesy the good stuff to Israel, but he didn't relate it to going to Nineveh. See, God only asked him to do two things. Go to Nineveh and preach against it. But he didn't want to do it. It's really an example for all of us, the Great Commission. If you see it up on the screen, Matthew 28, 19 through, through uh, 20 says, Therefore go, this is Jesus' words before he left this earth to go back to heaven. He said, Therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what we do in our baptisms. After they become a disciple, if you become a follower of Jesus, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So we don't want to teach you man's things from man. We want to teach them God's word. But look at this. We don't have to do it on our own. As surely as I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So we see that God says, I'll help you. You go and make disciples of where? All nations. See, Jonah, in this particular case, was told to go to Nineveh, a Gentile nation of the Assyrian capital, an enemy of Israel. And he was told to go, preach out against it, but he didn't want to go. He said no to it. So here's the next thing for all of us is that we all have a calling. God's given us a calling. Are we obeying that call? Now, for some of you, you're obeying the call. You know what God's asked you to do? You know, I think about we had the great worship team up here. People have volunteered their time to come to practices, to use their musical gifts, to lead us in worship. Isn't it incredible? There's guest service people using their time to come early and help serve us. There are people right now on the cameras volunteering, serving all over this place, in the kids' ministry, in the parking lot, all over. People using their gifts. But what about you? Has God called you? I believe he's called every one of us to have a part, using our time, our talents, our resources. 
He's called us to be generous, be givers, to, to sow into the kingdom of God, to, to give funds to raise, to help the, the, uh, the expand the church and do the ministry of the church. See, God has called us to things. The big question is, am I obeying? Or am I like, I got my excuses. I, I, I don't want to necessarily obey. This is what Jonah had. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. And you might be thinking, well, why didn't he want to go? Well, it could have been possible that people in Nineveh were extremely wicked. And he may have thought he would have lost his life if that was the case, that they were going to come against him, and he, maybe he didn't want to go for fear. Possible. I think there's another reason. And you'll find this later as we get into the book of Jonah. You're going to find that he got all upset when the people did believe <laughs> and change. He hated the people in Nineveh. They were the enemies why would I want my bless my enemies? I don't want them blessed. I wanted them blasted. You know? I don't, want, I don't want them to turn. I want them to burn. Now, it's not unlike some Christians today. You know? I, I don't want to pray for my enemy. What's the matter? I want them to suffer. See, I believe that was the reason, you'll see as we go move through this story uh, in the coming weeks, is that Jonah didn't like him, so he wasn't going to obey. So it's real easy to do things we want to do, but we're called to go to all the nations. Sometimes I, I lead mission teams. I'm going to take a team to Guatemala in November and, and been doing missions for many, many years all over. Sometimes people say, well, why are you going there? Can't you help our people here? We're commanded to go into all the nations. That's not just America. So here's the thing. We need to make sure that we are loving people. So look on the screen. God loves all people. Do I? Do I love all people? Or do I only love the people that look like me, talk like me, vote like me, live near me? God wants us to love all people. He does. And if we say we are a Christ follower and we're becoming like Jesus, Jesus loves everyone. Even sinners, even people that sin in ways that you or detest, he wants us to love. See, look at, there's two, well, I want to look at another thing about Jonah. He went down to, to uh, Joppa, and he found that ship going. In other words, he found an open door. We have to be careful being led by open doors. An open door by God will be in line with obeying God. It won't be like, well, you know, I met this woman online, and she's not a believer, but boy, I think we, we really met for each other, and yeah, we can save a lot of money by living together. It's such an open door. You can't use the open door like that that's the way you're going to be led. An open door should line up with obeying God. If it's disobeying God, I know it's an open door, but who opened it? Satan opens doors, too. He wants us to disobey. It's called temptations. See, there's two types of sin. You see on the screen the sin of commission. That's what we commit. It's what we do. And there's a sin of omission. That's what we, we don't want to do. We don't do something. We omit. That's where omit comes from versus commit. Two types. The longer you're a Christian, you're probably going to do a lot better with number one. You're going to be like, I don't do that anymore. I don't do that anymore. But what about number two? Is God telling you to do something, and you're saying, uh-uh, I don't want to do that. I, nobody's going to make me do that. 
See, that's where a lot of Christians get stuck, that God is speaking. Look at the verse from James 4, verse 17. It says, anyone then who knows the good they ought to do and don't do it, what? Sins. Say, what are some of our excuses for not obeying God? This isn't a full list, but there's just some of the common things. Fear could be uh, an excuse. Apathy, I just don't care. I don't care about this stuff. I don't want to. Nobody's going to make me. I'm in charge. Oh, here's another one. Someone else will do it. You know, we have a need for for helping more more helpers because our kids' ministry is growing. You guys are prolific, okay? You guys are having kids. Our kids' ministry is growing. It's great. You know what that means? More opportunities to serve our kids. And so we present the, the opportunities. Well, somebody else can do that. That's not me. See, you can't do that for everything. God's opening doors. He wants you to use and serve. Uh, here's the big one. Too busy. We all said that at times, right? We're too busy. You know what that means? You're too busy. We all have the same amount of hours in a day. Am I right? And I remember when I was in the corporate world and I was traveling all over the world, I was working sometimes 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Do you know what I was still doing? I was still serving in our local church. Even if I was really, really busy. Why? Because it's a priority. Serving God has to be a priority in our lives. You don't want to be led by your calendar. You don't want to be led by other people. You will make time for what's important. So don't use that as an excuse. If God's calling you to do something, obey. And here's another one. I'm not qualified. Well, I don't have the education. I don't have the experience. You know, God loves to use people just like you. Because then he'll get more glory. Sometimes if you're, people can be overeducated and they rely on their education experience instead of the Holy Spirit to help them. So, you know, he chose fishermen to, to advance the gospel after he left. I mean, he didn't go to, he didn't go to Jerusalem to take religious leaders to be his followers. He took fishermen. And so there's hope for all of us. I'll tell you a quick little story. There was a time where I was working in my office, and I, I meet with people quite often, and I, they get appointments, and so I get them on my schedule, and I stay pretty busy. And there was a time a person came to the front office up here and wanted to meet with me. And the receptionist came and said, you know, so-and-so's out in the lobby, and they want to meet with you. And I had my desk full of papers, and I was busy, I was working. And I'm like, oh, they don't have an appointment. To tell them they got to come back when they have an appointment. I just don't have time. So they went back, told them, and I'm sitting there trying to do my work, and the Holy Spirit saying, did you ask me about that? I want you to meet with them. I want you to talk to them. They came here, and I brought them here. And I'm like, oh, I'm too busy, God. I've got all this work I'm doing for you. And I just couldn't let it go. I couldn't let it go because it was just like the Holy Spirit. You know when he's speaking to you, right? He just keeps getting stronger and stronger. So finally went out there in the lobby. He was gone. I think, well, maybe I'll see him in the commons. And went down the steps. He wasn't even in the commons anymore. And went out the doors, and he was already in the parking lot heading to his car. I said, hey, come on, come on, come on. Let's come up to my office and let's talk. I listened to him. That day, I led that man to Christ. And about, about two years later, he passed away. See, we have to be sensitive to what God is doing. 
the doors that he wants to open. And I'm not saying that it's just for us pastors. It's for every one of you. If you're a Christ follower, you're going to be like Jesus and be sensitive to the needs. Jonah wasn't in this particular case. He ran from what God wanted him to do. So let's look and see what happens. Verse 4. But the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. Who sent it? The Lord sent it. Now, sometimes he will send a, when, uh, 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 a trial in life when things are going great. Remember the disciples, he sent them in a boat across the Sea of Galilee, and then they ran into a big storm. And Remember, he came walking out there. Not every storm is because it's you know, a, a discipline, a correction. It is in this case. But because Jonah ran from the Lord, now the Lord's bringing this great wind on the sea. And it was a mighty, violent a tempest, it says in the New King James, on the sea. So the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners, or, or sailors, were afraid. And they, every man cried out to his God, little, little G God. They were all religious people. You know, whenever people get in trouble, they're crying out to some God, right? Just like they say there's no atheist in a foxhole. Kind of a situation like this. And the men threw cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down in the lowest parts of the ship, had lain down, and was fast asleep. You know, it's kind of interesting that he could do that. But because the storm inside of Jonah, I think, was greater than the storm outside, he could just go there and just fall asleep and just get away from it because he, was, he knew what he was doing. He was, a, he was a prophet of God saying, no, running from the Lord. Verse 6, so the captain came to him and said, what do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, come, let's cast lots and, and find out who, who's the cause of this trouble has come upon us. And they cast lots and the Lot fell on Jonah. Now, the lot was probably, you know, it could have been some type of dice, but most people think it was like a bag they would put their hand into, maybe had like a light-colored stone, a dark-colored stone. Light maybe was yes, dark was no, and they'd put the hand in. You know, was it Floyd? No. Is it, you know, oh, it's Jonah. He got the the light-colored stone or something. And so it's some type of system, but God was even control of of the lot in this situation. Now, I think... I think Jonah had a little bit of uh, Jersey in him because, uh, you know, the captain's going to ask him, you know, Jonah, why is this happening? And Jonah says, it's Nineveh business. <laughs> Nineveh business, you okay? You get that right? Yeah, okay. Let me redirect us. Look at this next point. God can use the storms of life to correct or redirect us. That's what he's doing here with Jonah. He's correcting him, and he's going to redirect him. It's no different than for us. When we run from God, we are not going to be able to run successfully. He will use those storms to get in touch with us. Sometimes people will say, because of them running from God, they're going to have to hit rock bottom, right? God loves us too much to allow us to sin successfully. His children are marked, and he wants us to be in a relationship with him. He doesn't want us to to run from him. This is what's going on here. Now, you also see, because of Jonah's sin, it was negatively affecting the other sailors, too. And that brings up our next point. 
Our sin negatively affects us and others. Our sin. I want you to think, there's a lot of moms and dads in here. Parents, your sin will negatively affect your children. I truly do believe it. Husbands, your sin will affect your marriage, will affect your children. We have to be so careful because, you know, we are all sinners, right? Me included. We will sin. So what should we do when we sin? We want to repent quickly. We want to say, God, I know that was wrong. I I sinned against you. I sinned against these people. Please forgive me, Lord. I repent of my sin. Please help me to not do that. Give me through your Holy Spirit the ability to say yes to you and no to sin. And then we go on with our life. The problem is when people don't want to repent. They want to live in it in a lifestyle. Oh, nobody's going to know. It's just between, it's just a little secret thing. Nobody, nobody's going to be affected by it. It doesn't hurt anybody. I disagree with you. And doing over 20 years of counseling here, I have heard story after story after story how one sin begins to affect and tear apart a whole family. God has maybe spent, taken some time right now today to give you a warning. It's time to stop. It's time to repent. It's time to change. Because you don't know, if you don't, what's going to happen in the future. I didn't say it like that in any of those services, but I feel really strong right now that the Lord is saying, today is the day you've got to make a change. Because you don't know what might happen in the future if you don't. God doesn't play games. You cannot mock God. He says in Galatians 6, God will not be mocked. He said, whatever a man sows, he will reap. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap from the flesh. If you sow the Spirit, you're going to reap from the Spirit. So God wants us to not be sinning successfully. He wants us to repent. Look at verse 8. Then they said to him, Please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? Where did you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? They're going through the 20 questions here with Jonah, I think. And so he said to them, I am a Hebrew. And I fear the Lord. Some of your versions say, worship the Lord. Uh, uh, is, is it really? Do you really, Jonah? Do you fear the Lord? Are you worshiping the Lord right now? This, this is, this is the, what we see so often, is people say one thing and they live a different way. How many people do you know say, I'm a, I'm a believer, I got the sticker, I got the bumper sticker on my car, I'm a believer, I love Jesus, and they live a life that does not look like Jesus. See, we have to be so careful because we are all a testimony. Every one of us are a testimony, either good or bad for Jesus. And there are people today that will not come into a church and have turned their backs on Jesus because of somebody who said, oh, I'm a follower of Jesus. And they live in such a, a different type of way. So Jonah, his, his words didn't match up with his life. Verse 9 then, so he says, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? 
For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, what shall we do that the sea may calm, be calm for us? For the sea was getting more and more tempestuous. In other words, rougher. See, here's our next point. God loves us too much to let us run from him without negative consequences. See, don't, some of you, when you run into these negative consequences, you think God's punishing you. He's not punishing you. He's allowing you to feel the effects, the consequence of it. Why? Because he wants you to turn around. He wants you to repent. He wants you to be back into a fellowship with him. You know what? If you continue to be blessed and blessed and blessed and, and you're getting further and further away from God, wouldn't that be a tragedy? See, it's actually God's loving kindness when he allows us to feel these negative effects. And that's what has happening to Jonah, verse 12. And he said to them, Pick me up, throw me into the sea, then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest or storm is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to the land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. In other words, it was just kind of a wild, rough waves coming all over. Verse 14, therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, now, they're, they're finally crying out to the right God now. They said, we pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased to you. These guys seemingly have more faith, a better doctrine than what Jonah had. They knew who, the right God this time, the, the, the creator of all things, the, the God of Israel, and they're crying out to him. And they didn't want to take an innocent man's life by throwing him into the sea. So they're already asking for help. And they're asking, and they're acknowledging the sovereignty of God there at the end of verse 14. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. We don't know what those vows are, probably some type of promise like, oh, Lord, I'm going to live for you forever. I know I had all these other false gods, but you are truly the king of kings. You are the God. You're the creator of all things. You're the one that we will worship. And then verse 17, now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I, I, I was thinking about this. Why did, Jonah, why did Jonah tell them to throw him into the sea? Well, I think he was, probably had some care for the sailors, like maybe that would, they, would, they would live then. But I think he thought, my life is over. I ran from God. I, uh, remember, he doesn't know about the big fish, right? He, he, just, he believes when they throw him over, he's going to what? Be done. He's dead. In other words, he felt like, I've gone too far, I've sinned too much, life is over for me, just throw me in the sea, I'm done. Do you know what Jonah could have done? I, I, it would have been nice if this would have been the, what happened in this story, if Jonah would have said, oh, I realize this storm is because of me, I'm running from the Lord, I'm going to get down on my knees right now, and I'm going to repent to the Lord, oh God, please forgive me. I know, I'm willing to go to Nineveh, I'm willing to do, I did my own thing, God, please forgive me. I cry out to you, I am a sinner. I believe 
the sea would have calmed. And the next port they got to, they could have let Jonah off. He could have got a ship and go in the other direction. But that's not what happened. I think Jonah thought he'd gone too far. And he's not unlike some of you. You think you've gone too far. You think you've sinned too much. Oh, you, oh Pastor Dave, you don't know my background. Well, you, then you don't know my background either. It's amazing I'm up here, standing here, teaching the God's Word based on my background. But we serve a God who loves to give us a second chance, who forgives us of our sins, who cleanses us and wants us to use our lives for His glory. You're no different. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Because the enemy will say, well, you're damaged goods. Nobody wants, God can never use you. You don't have the right education. You don't know the right stuff. You know, and that's the enemy lying to you. You are a child of God. He loves you so much, he died on the cross for you. Don't believe those lies of the enemy. You've not, if you're breathing right now, you haven't gone too far. But the enemy would love you to, to throw in the towel quit or just continue to run from God God is here well let's look at this last point we can run from God's commands and all of us can do that but not from his love and mercy you know see Jonah's tr- he's trying to make the same mistake by going on this ship that, jo- that Adam and Eve did when they sinned what did they do They went and hid. God knows where we're at. He knows right where you're at. You can't hide from God. You can run, but you can't really hide. And his love and his mercy are going to pursue you. His love and mercy have you in this service today for a reason. Because he has a message for you from the prophet Jonah about your own life. Remember I told you at the beginning, put yourself in the story This isn't just about Jonah. It's really about us. We don't want to run. Now, Jesus is, well, he talks about Jonah. This is a real-life story because sometimes people think, well, you know, this is kind of just one of those fables, you know, didn't really happen. Uh, Wait till next week. Pastor Brian's going to have some great stuff about in Chapter 2. But uh, I want you to know, Jesus believed this was true. And he talks about it. Let's look on the screen, Matthew 12. It says here, Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. In other words, they're all like, Ah, Jesus, entertain us. We want to see another blind person healed. Can you make another lame person walk? Oh, that's pretty cool when you can multiply the fish and the the, the loaves and so forth. Do another sign for us. Look what Jesus says. Sometimes you think us pastors get a little tough. Uh, Nothing compared to Jesus, okay? He answered, a wicked and adulterous generation asked for a sign. But none will be given it except the sign of what? The prophet Jonah. For Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Let's go back to the last verse of chapter 1 again. Now the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. Who prepared it? The Lord. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. The similarities, he's saying, between Jesus and Jonah. Now you've got to remember, the Hebrews, 
how they considered a day was any part of a day was considered a day. So this doesn't mean 72 hours. It means like, like when Jesus was in the tomb, they put him in the tomb before sundown on a Friday. He was there all day Saturday, and he rose on Sunday morning. They call that three days and three nights because it was part of Friday, part of all day Saturday, and part of Sunday. Same thing. Three days, three nights. And the comparison of Jesus and Jonah here. In other words, the greatest sign is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If any of you are looking for a sign, looking for a miracle, look to Jesus. And in some ways, there's some similarities between Jesus as being like a perfect Jonah than what we've been reading. How would that be? Jesus was willing to go when Jonah said no. Jesus went and brought the word to sinners so that they could escape God's judgment. Jonah didn't want to do that. Jesus substituted himself so others could live. He died on that cross so we could live. Jonah was thrown into the sea, and somewhat maybe to have those sailors live, but maybe because he just was done. He was tired. He was, he was done with it. We sometimes can be like the sailors, though, doing our best, trying so hard by works. Oh, I just need to try harder. I need to try harder. We need God on our side helping us. What can we learn personally from the life of Jonah here? Remember I said, put yourself in the story. And this is an interesting little thing. In Jonah, Joppa, that city on the port, that port city near Tel Aviv, was a launching point to run from God's call to reach Gentiles. But in Acts chapter 10, that same city, Joppa, was where the apostle Peter received the call to go and take the gospel to the Gentiles. It's interesting. Big turn in one town. One leaving, didn't want to go to the Gentiles, another one did. Another lesson for all of us is that God hates sin, doesn't he? But he loves sinners. All people. Do I? Do I love people? God, God's looking for a people that will be radical in our love for others, even those who are very different than us, even those that we may not agree with their lifestyles. We need to love. We need to show compassion to people. See, the, the religious people hated Jesus because they said, well, you, you're going to go you go party with the tax collectors and sinners. You allow a prostitute to hang out and, and put her tears on your feet. That's pretty radical. Also, there's a price to pay. Another lesson for us. There's a price to pay when we run from God and his calling. Don't do it. Another lesson for us is that others are affected by our disobedience. If we are in sin right now, unconfessed sin, living in sin, unrepented sin, I would be extremely afraid of leaving a service like this and not making things right with God before you leave. Because this is one of those warning-type messages. And again, it's because of God's love. It's not His hatred. It's His love. I don't want to see you hurt. I don't want to have to send a, a corrective storm into your life to get, a, get, get your attention. I'm doing it through your word. Through my word, God would be saying to us. So we're going to pray.
Let's bow our heads and close our eyes in prayer. This is going to be one of those challenging type of prayers. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, first of all, I'm, I'm speaking to you as Christians. You already accepted Christ. You've given your life to Christ, but you know you've been running from God. You're not in obedience right now. You know there's some things in your life that need to change. Yes, you're going to heaven because Jesus forgave you of your sins. But it doesn't mean he wants to keep you that same way. And if that's you today, you need to make that change. Just raise your hand up. I'm going to pray for you right there in your seat. Yep. Yep. Numbers of hands are going up. You know you're not doing everything God's calling you to do, and he's asking you to bring change in your life. Others of you, the balcony. Just raise your hand up high. You're making this commitment to God. It's not to me. I can't even acknowledge all of you. There's so many hands up. But you're saying, God, I'm serious about this. I need to make a change, and I want to make it today. Just raise that hand up high. Saying, God, see this hand? I mean it. I'm serious about this commitment. I'm gonna, and we're going to pray for you in that commitment. Others of you. Okay, you can put your hands down. Now, this next one is for those of you that have been running from God, and you've, you need to recommit your life to Christ. You're not in right relationship with God right now. You've never given your life to Christ, or you did it one time, and you're running from God right now. I don't know where you're at spiritually, but God has you here for a purpose for a plan to share that he wants you to, to get back on the right path with him. And if that's you today, would you raise your hand up? Let me pray for you as well, okay? Good. Some of your hands are going up for that. Okay? Okay? I'm not here to embarrass anyone. This is a commitment you're making to God while heads are bowed. Yes. Up in the balcony. Okay. You can put your hands down. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for all these who are making commitments to you right now. First of all, Lord, for the Christians, the Christ followers, who know that they are not in obedience to you right now, Lord, and they want to make that change. I pray that you would help them right now today to make the, whatever change they need to, something that they maybe have gotten themselves involved with, something they're doing that's displeasing to you. Maybe there, it's something where you've been asking them to do something and they're saying no to you. Pray, Lord, that you would help them. Help them to do what you've asked them to do. Help them to be obedient to you and then help them feel the blessing of obedience. For we know there's a great obe- a blessing in obedience. For Lord, for those who raised their hand up, said, I need to commit my life to Jesus Christ. Let me just lead all of you in that prayer right now. Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner, but that Jesus Christ died for me and my sin and rose on that third day. I put my faith and trust in you, Jesus. So please forgive me of all my sin. Send your Holy Spirit to live in me and help me to live for you. Not for myself, but for you the rest of the days of my life. For I want to glorify you. I want to worship you. For you are now my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name.
Amen. We're going to end with worship. And those of you that raise your hand up to pray for uh, giving your life to Jesus Christ, first of all, can we just give them a hand? Awesome. I saw at least about six of them that did that. And I'm going to invite those of you that, that second raising of hands to come down front at the end. Love to pray with you, congratulate you, give you a Bible. Uh, and uh, we just want to thank you so much uh, for taking that bold step of saying, I know I need a Savior, and Jesus is that Savior. Would you stand as we get ready to close in worship? don't want to miss next week. We have Jonah has his coming out. It's a messy coming out, but it's coming out. So uh, it's going to be great. Pastor Brian will be here teaching chapter two. And for, again, those of you that raised your hands uh, to accept Christ, recommit your life to Christ, please don't, don't just head out. Let us, let us help cement that decision that you made today. The most important decision that you could ever make. For the rest of us, Lord, if our uh, folks, if there are people here who are new, you're here visiting, we want to welcome you. Thank you for being here with us today. And uh, uh, yeah, we can give them a hand. Um, to my right is our commons. It's a big room out there. There's a center ring out there. Uh, we have some people and pastors out there who'd love to meet you, give you some information about the church, answer questions you might have about this crazy place called Calvary Chapel. We have fun here. We can have some laughs, but we're also serious about the Word of God and worshiping the Lord here. And uh, 
Also, uh, just a reminder, as you leave, one of the ways we worship is through our giving. So we have boxes by the doors where you can give your tithes and offerings. Obviously, you can do it online as well. But thank you for your generous giving to the work of the Lord. It allows us to do what we do here. And so God bless you and have a great rest of your Sunday.